To listen to Memory Card episodes early and ad-free, consider supporting the show via Patreon at patreon.com memcard. Hey there, video game fans. I'm Ben Bertoli. And I'm Push Dustin. And this is Memory Card. Three or four seasons ago, I wanted to talk about video games that made you move, mm-hmm. uh, video games that have um, some sort of physical element to it. And I think we started off with like early arcade games, and then we moved on to like you know Dance Dance, Dance Revolution and all those other wonderful games. And today, it, uh, I, I think we're finally going to be talking about the company that I was thinking about when I started this kind of miniseries. Mm-hmm. So it's the epic conclusion of Move Your Body. <laughs> oh, this is it. This is the last one. Are you sure? I, I well, as far as I'm aware, yeah. I think I think this will bring us up to the present day and future. Uh, there's other things I, I still kind of want to talk about, but they'll just be their own episodes maybe in the future. Or maybe a bonus. Or maybe a bonus. Yeah. I remember that first episode, uh, you gave us the information on like whack-a-mole. Yeah. And I was like, man, I didn't know that I needed to learn the history of whack-a-mole, but now I'm excited <laughs> that I know. <laughs> so yeah, this is the fourth entry in this uh, specific gaming history series. So go back and uh, find... Find the other ones. Uh, the the last two, I believe, covered Wii Sports, Wii Fit, mm-hmm. and Beat Saber, and everything else. So if you like to to move your butt, then get up and find these episodes. I guess. You know, when Pokemon Go first came out, that was, like, a huge, like, cultural milestone, I think. Like, that was the last time that the world was was good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everyone went out, out, out of their house. They uh, went around catching, you know, Pokemon on their smartphones. Mm-hmm. Everyone was friends. And then after that, the whole world just crumbled. Yeah, seems like it. And there were still people who were, like, mad about that. Like, why are you looking at your screen so much? And, like, at least you're walking around <laughs> outside making friends, right? <laughs> yeah. And um, full disclosure, I was absolutely obsessed with Pokemon Go up until just very recently. I kind of fell out of it for reasons I can talk about later or separately from this podcast. But uh, for, you know, a huge part of my life, I guess, Pokemon Go was one of the uh, most played games ever. I've sunk, you know, thousands of hours into that game. Wow. Yeah, I wasn't quite as uh, obsessed as that, but certainly when the big boom hit, I was like, yeah, all right, you know, I'm a big fan of Pokemon and I have a smartphone, so I can wander around my neighborhood looking for Bulbasaur's or whatever it, (laughs) you know, takes. (laughs) I'm down, but I I definitely didn't get into it. Just getting all those Pidgeys. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of, you know, I I understood the allure and I'm definitely Mm -hmm. nostalgic for those original 150 pokemon but yeah um i don't know there's something about phone games in general that i just can't quite latch on to no matter what the thing that really uh kind of interested me about pokemon go was being able to kind of make it into a reason to go out Mm. or you know even just as like a, a thing that you do do while you're walking to a destination so um for me i would play like walking to work i would just like sit there and do like five minutes and then kind of log out or um, I was part of like a couple of like uh, local groups. So I'd meet up with uh, people and I became friends with a lot of people through that group. Mm-hmm. And um, we would go out, play Pokemon Go for like, you know, five hours and then have lunch or, and, or dinner together. 
So it was, it was a nice way to kind of meet meet people and also like just explore new places. Mm-hmm. But there was definitely some downsides to Pokemon Go. The monetization, uh, I feel like, especially uh, nowadays, is really cranked up to an unreasonable degree. But anyway, uh, <laughs> getting ahead of ourselves. So when I was researching the Wii Sports and the Pete Saber episodes, I, I really wanted to talk about Pokemon Go and those. But then when I started researching into the history of Niantic and uh, its founder, John Hankey, I was like, oh, this deserves this whole, whole episode. I can easily fill up like 30 minutes just talking about this company and its history. Right. We can make this work. Yeah. So here here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so where does where does this whole thing start? So the whole thing starts in 1967 in Texas, actually. Wow. So uh, John Hankey was born there, and uh, <laughs> he kind of grew up playing video games. Like, his first game that he bought was a Climber for the Atari in uh, 1983. You know, he would also play, um, you know, the Atari 400, and he was really into technology. Like, he'd always go to, like, the, you know, the collective computer terminal and, and kind of play games there and stuff like that. And he kind of always envisioned, you know, like the Silicon Valley, you know, like he read a lot about Steve Jobs, you know, Steve Wanzik mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And he just really wanted to be there. But he didn't go there right away. He actually, you know, went to college, uh, University of Texas, and um, he graduated in 1989. And then he actually joined the United States Foreign Service. Huh. So uh, the United States Foreign Service is like you're basically ask, act as an ambassador or you, you go to a country and you act as like a representative to uh, the United, for the United States in that country. Hmm. And, you know, that helps with uh, political relations and um, also outreach for U.S. citizens living abroad. And um, he actually lived in um, Myanmar. So he was working on foreign policy issues there. I uh, spent uh, four years there, decided it wasn't for him. Went back to the States and went to the, the Haas School of Business in California. That was kind of a, an intentional move because, as I mentioned before, he kind of idolized that, you know, Steve Jobs. He, he kind of wanted to be there. So he chose to go to the School of Business in California just to kind of make those connections. He joined this guy named Steve Sellers, uh, who was developing a, a video game uh, at a startup called Archetype Interactive. That game would have a huge influence on video games in general, and that was uh, Mirrodin 59. Oh, I don't think I'm familiar with that one. Yeah, I actually did not know about this either. It's a game that was published in September 1996 by 3DO, and I think John Hankey was one of the producers of it. He, he was involved in like the more of the production side. It's basically the first graphic MMORPG. Oh. So this is like way back in, you know, 1996, you know, people had dial up <laughs> america online and stuff like that and uh it was the first game to really bring graphics to an mmorpg so before that we there was mmorpgs or well graphicless mmorpgs they were just you know mm-hmm. interactive through a, a text hud oh i see so this one was like really like an an epic fantasy adventure adventure and one of the key concepts of it was that you'd be playing with other people so um, in, in order to even like pass the, the tutorial or in, in order to get out of the, the first like set of uh, dungeons, you actually need someone else to like push a switch with you at the same time. Oh, wow. And so like they like really had this idea that you would be working together, you know, in this world with other players. Hmm. So would the person have to be like in the same spot of the game as you 
like also doing the tutorial. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's not really I don't think it's really good level design, but it <laughs> kind of shows where where John Henke and, you know, kind of his game in early gaming philosophy came from was that, you know, gaming is better when it's played with people. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, you you want to bring people together in order to kind of have uh bring these shared uh, experiences when it first was in its public beta i think uh, seventeen thousand players joined and then you know it kept on growing and growing but unfortunately in 2000 uh 3do shut down and um the meridian 59 would eventually be re-released a couple of times it's actually available on steam right now for free oh um there's apparently like two servers are still active so there's there's still uh player base that that plays it and enjoys it so uh john henke was there only until 1998 after that he kind of he worked at a company called big network big network was an online entertainment hub at its peak i guess it had like over 200,000 registered members and it was basically just java multiplayer online games you know all the classics like spades backgammon checkers chess mm-hmm. and like at one point it was like i guess capturing like almost 20% of the internet market. Wow. And it had like a community where people could like kind of play online together and chat and everything like that. And eventually that was acquired uh, in 2000 by E-Universe for, you know, $17 million. <laughs> so uh, after that, John Henke uh, joined this other company, which you might have heard of in passing. Mm-hmm. It's called uh, Keyhole. I don't think I know that one. Although, is that something to do with uh, Sony? Maybe I have heard of it. There's a Sony connection. Oh, okay. But probably probably not what you're thinking of so uh keyhole they actually built that technology behind google maps and google earth Mm, okay so originally it was um part of a company called intrinsic graphics which um would make these tools for development purposes um and then license them out to like developers who wanted to make uh games and i think they're they were used on like gamecube playstation 2 that era of consoles oh okay eventually um you know, intrinsic graphics, this is kind of a side story, but they were bought by uh, Vicarious Visions, and then which was later <laughs> bought out by uh, Activision. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I think they're, uh, as of recording, they're in the news of uh, Vicarious Vision because of the Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 and 4. Right. Oh, being, yeah, not made because Activision yeah. consolidated the team or whatever. Because they got, yeah, bought out. <laughs> but you know, some of that early funding with Keyhole was through Sony. And basically, you know, Keyhole, they had this demo where they had like a spinning globe and it could be zoomed into and um, like kind of show more details about the Earth. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was pretty well received, you know, so intrinsic, they made John Hankey kind of like the, the head of that ship. And, you know, things were going well, but then the Iraq war happened. Oh, no. And because of the Iraq war, you know, there was a need for like CNN and other news outlets to kind of use um, more advanced graphics to kind of show where the, the conflicts were happening. And so because of that, they actually bought a license for a keyhole. And um, John Henke, like in part of his negotiations with CNN, gave them a discount if they displayed the keyhole logo. Oh. And so because of that, keyhole became more popular and eventually, Google decided to acquire the, the technology to kind of integrate it into its own geo projects. Yeah, I, I don't think I had any idea that there was this much background behind Niantic. 
Yeah, we haven't, uh, like, we're basically just getting to the Google part. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I didn't know the Iraq war was going to be part of Pokemon Go, but here we are. <laughs> so, yeah, eventually the keyhole was integrated into Google, and John Henke was um, serving as, like, the the VP of Google Geo, something like that. Eventually, like, Google was like, hey, we kind of need to, you know, diversify our, our stuff. So they started funding projects within the company. And one of those um, companies was Niantic. Oh, okay. So Niantic was like part of like, I think Alphabet uh, Holdings, if I'm correct. So it was like, a, a, basically like a, it's like a company within a company. It's like a internal startup. Yeah, it's like an internal startup. So um, that happened in uh, 2010. So, you know, uh, John Henke kind of wanted to return to more gaming oriented and um, kind of wanted to combine, you know, his experience with Keyhole and, you know, mapping the earth uh, with video games. And so um, that kind of led to the development of a game called uh, Ingress. Uh, Have you ever played Ingress before? I've not. Actually, I don't think I knew of it until after Pokemon Go came out. And then I kind of looked into the background of Niantic and saw that they had also released this, you know, game. Yeah, uh, to be honest, I didn't know about it until, you know, just before Pokemon Go. Because I was very interested in Pokemon Go before its release. So I was like looking into the company and Pokemon Go didn't come out at first in Japan. It came out uh, in in the States almost a month before. Mm. So to kind of like scout out where the locations would be in Pokemon Go, I actually downloaded Ingress and played it for a month. Oh, I see. Just just because I knew that they would use the same data. But uh, for for those of you who don't know, Ingress is a sci-fi game in which players use um, you know real life locations to kind of go to and create these portals. And there's kind of this meta game where um, the players are kind of divided into two factions. There's the Enlightened and the uh, Resistance. Hmm. So after uh, a transdimensional force called Exotic Matter uh, was discovered by the uh, Higgs boson research, they found out the substance was associated with like an alien race called the Shapers. And so like there's the two factions, the Enlightened and the Resistance, and the Enlightened factions kind of embrace the new matter, the new substance, while the Resistance is like, no, we should stay away from this because this is like potentially a threat. Do you get to pick which side you're on? Yeah, you get to pick what side you are. Oh, okay. So, like, in uh, Pokemon Go, you have those three teams. Right. You have the, uh, um, based on the on the captains. In Ingress, you only have those those two, and they're just constantly at war, war with each other. Hmm. So, in order to kind of, you know, promote Ingress and stuff like that, they had a closed beta, I think, in 2012. And they had, like, a, a little bit of an online viral marketing campaign, mostly on Google+. Plus. Which is, I think, why uh, neither of us never really knew about it <laughs> until... <laughs> I tried. I tried to get into Google+. Plus. Yeah. There's there's some things about Google+, Plus that I really liked. Like, I, I love the idea of, like, organizing people around circles. Mm-hmm. You know, having, like, a friend circle and a family circle. Right. And just, like, being able to easily share things to just my family and, you know, not my friends or, or vice versa. Right. You know, like, I don't want to show certain pictures to my mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And for those of you who don't know, Google Plus was basically like Google's attempt at Facebook. Yeah. But, you know, putting their own spin on it and it did not survive. No, it did not survive. But it, I think they, they used a lot of that information for like their other projects like YouTube and stuff like that. Yeah. We're going to put things on a pause for a moment to hear a word from our sponsors. Memory card. 
That's us. That's right. We're our own sponsor. And if you'd like to support us, you can leave a four or five star review on the podcasting platform of your choice or follow us on Twitter at memcardshow. But Ben, what about our fantastic patrons? Of course, of course. In fact, our wonderful patrons over at Patreon are really what make this show possible. And if you are feeling extra supportive, you can head over to patreon.com slash memcard. Every single one of our patrons gets access to early and ad-free episodes. Higher tiers include bonus episodes, shout-outs, stickers, and more. We certainly hope you'll check it out and consider becoming one of our lovely patrons. Once again, that's patreon.com slash M-E-M-C-A-R-D. What's our sticker for this season, Push? Well, since it's our eighth season, we actually have this wonderful little robot, Octorok. And it was actually illustrated by my friend, uh, Midoribin. You can follow her on Twitter at Midoribin underscore art. Very cool. Eight legs for eight seasons. I like it. I like it. Well, thanks for taking the time to hear us out. Let's go ahead and get back to the show. Anyway, when designing Ingress, they actually kind of went narrow in scope on purpose because they wanted the genre to be very specific. So that way it would have like a more dedicated fan base. So that way it would have like more support because they felt like if they went too broad with uh, Ingress, like if they tried to appeal to everyone, then they wouldn't be able to um, to actually seize a market. Mm. If that makes sense. It's like instead of casting a wide net and like failing, they were like, okay, we're going to like really target this towards sci-fi lovers and really cater to them in order to build a strong community, which will help support our future projects. Mm. Now, I don't know if you mentioned this, but is this a game also where you have to like get out and walk around? Yeah. So Ingress is a game where you have to, you know, go out uh, to different portals, collect the energy. Oh, okay. And I think you can like capture them. And so it's, it's a constant tug of war of like trying to get the different portals to your faction. Oh, I see. But you had to actually like physically walk to where they were right yeah you would have to physically walk you could use a, a spoof but probably not <laughs> it's probably <laughs> defeating the purpose of the game right you know ingress has a, a really passionate community there's hundreds of thousands of people who play this game and like there's you know large-scale meetups and stuff like that the information that they got from ingress helped supply the the, the groundwork for pokemon go and their future apps as well mm-hmm. you know eventually uh as you know it pokemon go was released it was kind of a big deal <laughs> you you said you, you mentioned you played pokemon go a little bit yeah how many of the 151 of the kanto region did you were you able to capture oh gosh it was not that many i mean this was what 2016 i remember because it was right as you know the election was kicking off here in the united states pokemon go to the polls that's right famous hillary clinton <laughs> quote <laughs> i don't know who created pokemon go but I'm trying to figure out how we get them to have Pokemon go to the polls. I don't know. I'd have to say maybe like 50 to 50 to 70. So not not too many. But there was a gym, you know, in Pokemon Go, there's like a gym where you can battle to be the, the current champion um, just kind of down the street for me. So that was kind of my my daily goal was to go down there and, and give that a shot. Mm-hmm. Not sure if I ever actually won, though. I don't think I did. If I did, it was only for like, you know, a matter of hours before I was taken over by someone with much better team. Yeah, I think the the three team setup for Pokemon Go is probably a better uh, solution than just having two factions compete against each other. Because mm-hmm. one issue with Ingress is that like, if you're in an area with, you know, a lot of people with one faction, then 
it can kind of overrun the other one quite easily. Mm-hmm. But with three, you kind of have that, that triangle. Right. And over the years, I think Pokemon Go has uh, expanded. Like, now they're on the Aloha region. So, uh, that's what Pokemon Sun and Moon. Mm-hmm. So, they, they're almost catching up to the, the current Pokedex. Right. And they've added a lot of features over the years, like uh, Mega Evolutions, trading, battling, and stuff like that. It's a it's a very different game from when it first came out. Oh, uh, well, maybe I need to jump back in and, and give it a shot. But wasn't the original idea for this like a joke to begin with oh yeah so um there was that story of the google engineer who was like you know let's put pokemon on on google maps and uh-huh. we'll do that as an april fool's joke and you know because of that they realized that there was a potential for a game and that's where um niantic was like yeah we'll we'll definitely make this but it actually like happened right there was an april fool's joke where they worked with nintendo yeah that's right <laughs> when they uh, when they actually met with uh Ishihara, uh, of the Pokemon company, he actually told them, you know, like how much he actually really enjoyed Ingress. Mm. So uh, Ishara was actually a huge fan of of Ingress before Pokemon Go became a reality. And then they did the the joke, and then they were like, you know what, we can make this into a full <laughs> real game. Yeah. And then like Niantic was able to like fully separate from Google. I think he got like tons of funding from you know Nintendo, Pokemon Company. And even outside seed funding and stuff like that, so they be- they came- became a separate entity and kind of grew their uh, team because I think originally they only had thirty five people, and mm-hmm. now they have like hundreds of people working wow. at that company. Yeah, I mean it is super duper popular, and they've released games beyond Pokemon Go. Yeah, just one side note: like Pokemon Go is is still one of the highest grossing apps on the Play and App Store. Yeah, I believe it. It makes billions of dollars yeah i mean pokemon is and continues to be like the highest grossing media franchise like of all time yeah and you know of the current day so it's not not too surprising that that's still raking in the cash uh unfortunately they weren't able to replicate that success with pokemon go with their other titles probably their their highest uh anticipated title after pokemon go was harry potter wizards unite that was only open for uh about two and a half years it became available for the public on June 22nd, 2019, and then it was actually discontinued January 31st, 2022. Oh, wow. So not that long ago. Yeah. Uh, I've tried uh, Harry Potter Wizards Unite, and it wasn't really a good game, hmm. to be honest. I never I never even gave it a shot. Just didn't have that um, that gameplay loop. Oh. So basically, like, with Pokemon Go, like, the gameplay loop is collecting Pokemon, and, you know, you can get candy from them and evolve them, make them stronger and stuff like that. With Harry Potter Wizards Unite, the main gameplay loop was, like, basically collecting, like, these virtual stickers. Hmm. And, like, it just wasn't that fulfilling. Yeah. Even though it had, like, involvement from J.K. Rowling, who is a terrible person. But <laughs> <laughs> it had, like, involvement, you know, like, lore involvement and stuff like that. It just, right. It just didn't live up to the hype. It had the background. It just didn't quite have the gameplay Yeah. to, to keep people. They were going to do a uh, Catan you know, the board game. Mm-hmm. They're going to do a real-life one called World Explorers, and that never even actually opened for the public. They kind of announced it, did some beta testing, and then it just got discontinued in 2021. Hmm. And then uh, just very recently, they had uh, Pikmin Bloom, yeah, which is uh, a game um, featuring the Pikmin characters, and you go around and you grow flowers. Right. And um, I-, I played it for about a month, and I, I did enjoy it, but 
it was just like, yeah, I'm just collecting like different yeah. Pikmin with different hats. I, just... I had to get into that one because Pikmin is one of my favorite Nintendo franchises like of all time. So I was like, oh boy, new new Pikmin content. And, you know, I I mean, I enjoyed it for what it was for, yeah, a few weeks. And then I just kind of was like, eh. Yeah. I think I'm still getting emails about it. They're like, we're having a special bloom day or something. And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so Niantic's like actual slogan is adventures on foot. And like moving forward, Niantic is kind of like kind of leveraging AR technology or augmented reality technology to really push that medium, um, the idea of, you know, adventures on foot forward. Niantic actually recently announced, um, you know, November 2021, Lightship platform. And um, their goal is to kind of help developers, um, you know, create more AR experiences. So um, AR would be, you know, augmented reality. Mm -hmm. And that would be like, you know, imposing characters into the real world or, you know, have the, the virtual world interact with the physical world, if that makes sense. Right. But like on screen. Or, you know, with special glasses in the future, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, more and more that that technology uh, for VR and AR is getting cheaper and lighter. Right, right. And I've, I've seen rumblings that uh, Apple is working on something VR related. Yeah, Apple has like a AR glasses. Yeah. And, um, you know, all, all the major tech companies are, you know, looking into that because it's going to be the next big thing in terms of how it impacts, you know, everyday life. Right. Yeah, entertainment as well. John Henke, he had a, a really interesting speech about this, you know, talking about, um, it's, kind of, it's kind of an overused term, but the metaverse, you know, the future of the internet. Mm -hmm. And um, basically with AR and, you know, cross-reality technology, we're getting to a point where we have the information that's on a computer and pretty soon that will be directly interacting with the real world hmm. in a way that we haven't really seen before. So right now, like when we use a computer, when we use a phone, that's kind of isolated to those devices. It's not really, you know, our lives, if that makes sense. Right. It's not like, you know, we're not constantly in it or that that data is still separated. But in the future, we're going to get to a point where, you know, um, if you need directions for somewhere, you just look and you just you'll get the directions. Right. It'll just be within your field of vision. Yeah. Like, you'll just have that, that arrow pointing you to the restaurant, <laughs> or you'll have, like, a, a heads-up display constantly in the corner of your eye showing you, you know, mm -hmm. your meetings and stuff like that. Uh, that sounds really boring, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's the way that, that technology is, is really progressing. Yeah. Is that um, it's becoming more and more part of our lives. This is how we become in the matrix, right? Yeah. It's just going to be one simulation. Like, for example, like as a kid, I remember um, having to use a website called MapQuest mm -hmm. to download driving directions. Like my parents would just print it out right. and then just like figure out how to get there. <laughs> Before that, we just had paper maps. Yeah. So like MapQuest was like a huge step up because it would like automatically find that, that best route. Yeah. Give you that turn by turn. Now we have Google Maps. Uh, thanks, John Henke. And, you know, it's right on our phone. Um, it's extremely accessible and it updates in real time. Mm -hmm. You don't have to, like, start at a certain point and, you know, it's not a treasure hunt anymore. It's, <laughs> it's, it's real time. Uh -huh. And then, you know, that technology is now incorporated in cars, with satellite images, and it's, it's just, I don't know, I feel like an old man. <laughs> Like yelling at clouds. That's okay. It's okay. Well, I mean, the important thing is that you're, you know, adapting with the technology. Uh, you know how to use Google Maps and uh, to your yeah. to your advantage. So it's not like it's something that's gone over your head. 
Exactly. The, the, the whole point is that, you know, th- these kinds of technologies, they're, they're going to be incorporated in our lives. And, you know, it, companies like Niantic and, you know, the big companies like Google and Facebook and or Meta, you know, they're basically going to decide on how a lot of these this technologies can be incorporated in our lives. That's why you should get out and go walk around, <laughs> find some Pokemon, find some Pikmin, help chart the new path. Yeah, exactly. So, are you ready to plug into the Matrix? Am I ready? Yeah. You know, in the movie, like, the robots put everybody in those pods, but I'm just like, just open one up. I'm getting it. <laughs> you don't You don't have to convince me. You tell me I can play I can play Sega Genesis all day. That's right. And I don't have to worry about going to the bathroom or, like, going to get food. Yeah. Plug me in. But yeah, uh, I think that basically wraps up the talk for today. Like and subscribe if you want to hear more. woo That's all for now. Thanks for listening. Our intro and outro music was crafted by talented chiptune composer Jamatar. You can find more of his banging beats by searching Jamatar, that's J-A-M-A-T-A-R, on Spotify or visiting Jamatar.com. This episode and every episode in Season 8 was edited by audio superstar Mikey Yankovich. If you have any feedback on the podcast or would like to recommend a topic, feel free to reach out to us via Twitter at memcardshow or you can visit our website memorycardshow.com if you'd like to follow ben and i we can be found at super bentendo and at push dustin respectively have you considered supporting memory card on patreon if not we hope you will currently we're supported by quite a few awesome people all of which get access to early ad-free episodes these people include jackson bertoli courtney cotton taylor bias cody sam michael strickland jorge bajija Manuel Vitella, Shala, Sandra L, Nick Callis, Jehoon Jeong, Sean Marafini, Joseph Bayer, and Brock Delabrew. All of our Patreon info can be found on the support section of our website or on patreon.com slash memcard. We'll be back really soon with some more gaming history goodness, so be sure to subscribe and leave a review if you've enjoyed the show. We'll see you soon.